Well, good day to you. This is Reverend Jay Glover. And um, today I would like to talk about the Lord's Supper, communion, the Eucharist, and what does it mean for us today? So as we begin this conversation, um, I would like to point out that this, of course, is not a preaching platform for me. That, that's not my intentions. I actually desire you to call in, join in, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on what the communion service, uh, the, the, what it is that you take away from it as you engage in this practice. Now, for me, my church will be engaging, will be participating in the Lord's Supper tomorrow, which is Sunday. We do it once a month. And I, I just want to um, hear your thoughts on what this communion service means to us today. I, again, I invite you to join in this conversation. I guess the, the first thing I should do is, is um, first go back to a scripture um, and give a little context of, of the institution of the Lord's Supper. We know that the institution of the Lord's Supper was commanded by Jesus in the event that we, we have come to know as being the, the Last Supper, where Jesus gathered his disciples together to, to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover was a, a meal, that the Passover was, was an annual celebration um, to celebrate the, the deliverance from slavery of God's people calling them out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt. It was an annual meal and celebrating a festival, remembering God's calling, rescuing, and delivering his people out of the hardships of their slavery in Egypt. So here it is. You find Jesus with his disciples in a room. They're sharing a meal. And, and the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians, if you want to know where to find this, it's in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, uh, verses 23 and 25. It says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this in whenever you do it in remembrance of me. So this is this is the scripture. And my question today is what is what are we doing? What is it? Why do we do it and how did it get started? Well I just told you how it got started. Jesus um, has instituted what is now one of the ordinances of the church. In my, in my Baptist tradition, we have two ordinances in the church. One is the Lord's Supper and one is baptism, of course. So again, Jesus has his disciples um, gathered together, sharing a meal, celebrating the Passover, which was their deliverance of coming out of Egypt. And this was an annual festival that they um uh, partake, partook of. And, and Jesus says um, to do this, and as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So I would like to start out by saying that that um, the Lord's Supper is 
actually a day of remembrance. It's a it's a it's a moment, a day, an activity, a spiritual activity in which we uh, remember all that God has done for us um, at the cross. It remember it's a day to remember all that God is doing um, currently active in your life now. It's a day to remember uh, all that and anticipate all that God will do. It's also we are told that that um, the communion should be preceded by self-examination. That means that we are called to a period of reflection, self-examination and whether or not our lives are consistent with the um, being in a place that God has invited us to be. So don't forget now, I'm, I'm inviting you to come in and share your thoughts with me, um, uh, how you feel about communion, how often you take communion, um, what, what does it mean to you, what do you get out of it, what do you think is going on from this ordinance in the church. So again, so now I can, I can say this. this, this, when I think of what God has done for me, one of the major benefits is that there's a scripture that comes to mind. And the scripture that comes to mind is in fact Romans 8 verses 1 and 2 which reads in this way. It says, There is therefore no condemnation to those, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's another scripture that comes to mind that says, it's also Romans, the same chapter, the eighth chapter, and uh, verses 38 and 39, it says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So these two um, passages that were read were actually the opening and the closing of the eighth chapter in Romans. I have a guest coming in, friend here, Nate George is coming in, and I'm glad to hear from him. I, I'm sure he has a rich um, testimony and, and sharing as to what we get from the communion service or partaking of the Lord's Supper. How you doing, Nate? Hey, I'm doing great, how are you? I'm doing wonderful on this day. I, you know, tomorrow our church, we. We, we, the Baptist tradition, we partake of the Lord's Supper once a month. And um, we're going to be doing that tomorrow. So I was just kind of thinking, do people, um, what, what do we think of this, of this ordinance that we're participating or denying ourselves of? Um, so what do you think, Nate? Well, um, that's... Uh... Well, first off, you're, speak, you're speaking my language, and um, I get this is the stuff I get truly excited over. Um, I am a real big stickler when it comes to the Lord's Supper. Um, this is this is a, a holy, divine moment where we get to commune with God. Uh, we we brush off everything that we are. Um, wrestling with or stuff that we bring from the outside into church, we, we we leave that at the door, and it's the time. And you said it 
uh, perfectly earlier, but this is a time of self-examination. Uh, you know, you were mentioning First Corinthians 11, which that's when I when you said you said that I was nodding my head. I was like, yep, yep, yep. And as we, uh, you know, we're we're eating this. I when I when I give uh, when I give any uh, community meditation, and our our, ch- our church does that, we on a rotation. And so, if I were to give a community meditation, I I don't like to to try to make um, to try to make stories or try to connect the dots with life or anything. I, I go I, I just go straight out of scripture. And this is usually where I go to because. Um, this is a this is a holy sacred time of of the of the service, and the verse that stands out to me is verse twenty seven, where it says, "Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord." And mm-hmm. one of the things one of the things that <clears throat> I emphasize very strongly is that if you are partaking of the Lord's Supper and you are not a believer, uh, you are eating and drinking condemnation and judgment upon yourself, and you don't want to be a part of that. Right. And then, you know, the exam- examination part. We cannot we cannot also, as believers, and see, it's not just for unbelievers, but, but for the believers taking it, this is not a time to um, be ho-hum about this, to let it be like a, a ritualistic, casual thing. Right, um, and so, in verse twenty nine says, "For you eat and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly." So, um, there's it's a it's a very serious time, and as far as the um, the frequency goes, you know, it just depends. I mean, some people, you know, they are like you said, once a month, every Sunday. Um, our the our church, we do it every Sunday. And you know the the amazing thing about uh, about the communion time is that you know we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, so it's an ordination by God. It's one of the few things He's actually ordained, um, as far as you know, as church and worship goes, and how we're you know how these things are supposed to go about. But the other thing is we proclaim the Lord's death, and we also I. In the same breath, we're proclaiming his resurrection as well. And then this ordination at, at one point will cease until he returns. So this is something that he has commanded us to do. And it's a it's a really wonderful, sacred time of, of worship. And I, 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 lo- I love it. And I honestly, that's just it's just it's just a really great time. So let me ask you this, Nate. Do you have a Bible handy? Or can you can you get hold of it? I do. So, yeah. I want you to just yep. look at Romans eight in the very first, um, the very first um, verse, and and just hear me on this for a moment. Um, now, you Nate mentioned sure. that if we eat, if we partake of the Lord's supper with with you know not being a believer, and um, uh, that that we we bring condemnation to ourselves. Now, on the flip side of that, if we are a believer. And we're in communion with God and we're living our lives to, to the best of our ability. Um, there is something that the Bible says about that. Um, even when we met, even when we mess up, Romans tells us that mm-hmm. there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, that's a mouthful of words there. And, and, and it's not like we're off the hook 
yeah. of, of uh, for morality. It's not that this um, is giving us license to do whatever we please just because we say Jesus is Lord and Savior. We are still um, called to live righteously in this world. Um, I think that this is a wonderful passage that that tells us that we're liber- we should be liberated from despair, depression, and it offers wise counsel in these days of trouble. This one verse that I just read, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. This one verse speaks of a few things, at least three. It talks about the absence of condemnation. It talks about unity in Christ. And it talks about the walk or the lifestyle of the believer who is led by the spirit of the Lord. So, um, the you know, Nate talked about the condemnation that comes upon us when we, um, are, are eating or partaking in the Lord's Supper, you walk in the church, they're serving communion, and you decide you're going to grab it and just take it without without having confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is problematic, and I'm glad that Nate, Nate mentioned it. As a matter of fact, there are some churches that won't even allow you. Um, they'll, they'll preface it by saying, if you're qualified to receive the Lord's Supper, please do so. But if, if you know, or children, um, you know, in, in the Baptist tradition, we don't give the communion to, to children because they don't understand what's going on. So, um, Nate, if, if we get cut off, please come back. Um, right. Now, this, this passage was written a long time ago, but it sure. certainly speaks to us in the present tense and the here and there. And we all mess up, and, and there's times that we miss the mark, and we certainly feel bad about it. We, we're ashamed by our mistakes, and, and we, sometimes we get worn down by our continual wrestling with this sinful inclination of the flesh. Um, but, but today, um, again, I don't mean to grant license to sin here, but even as we mess up, God sees us through Christ, who intercedes on our behalf. And, and even when we fall short, he sees us through this atoning ministry of Jesus. Paul knew this. And, and out of the imperfection of his own lived experience and being inspired by God, Paul writes, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Um, so we, we're informed of this absence of condemnation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no condemnation can be restated in this way. There is right. no damnatory sentence that has been delivered against you. There's no, now don't forget, we're talking about for those in Christ. There's no adverse verdict that stands against you. There is no denunciation, conviction, or judgment that, that leads to the dreadful sentence of eternal punishment. There is no eternal separation that is being handed down to you as a child of God from the judgment seat of Almighty God. We all mess up from time to time, time to time, but thanks be to God. In Christ, we have no condemnation. Nate, that was a mouthful. Oh, I, I tell you what, uh, I'm really glad you went to Romans 8. I love Romans 8. Actually, that's the, that's the uh, background on my uh, mm. phone wallpaper mm. is Romans 8. Well, so, you know, the... the you know, um, and that's, that's, yeah, go ahead. I was saying that the, um, the first verse of Romans 8, right, is, is um, therefore there's no condemnation. The, the closing verse is I'm, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, you know, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. 
And that's how the, 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 the chapter opens and closes. Um, no condemnation and no separation from God, which is um, something that we need to remember as we are partaking in the communion service. Right. Yeah, and I think that's just a, that's why, you know, people say this is the golden chapter of, of the whole Bible. It's just, it's so full of, I mean, this is this is for the this is for the believer, and this is the hope of the unbeliever. Um, this that, that could be there, um, that could be theirs. You know, right now, unbelievers are unfortunately under condemnation, but in Christ, in Christ, and that's that's the key. In Christ, there is no condemnation. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, Nate, I need you to come back in. So. So. When it says, when, when Nate said, when the Bible said, when I said, and when Nate said that, that in Christ, we use this term in Christ, um, what we're saying is that unity with Christ is the way of salvation. It's because of what God has done through his son that we are rescued from condemnation and the judgment. Because of Christ, we are delivered from the power of sin and death, and we are gifted with righteousness. And what do I mean by that? I mean... We're gifted with being in right standing with God. So in Christ, we are promised the gift of eternal life. You know, the Bible tells us that in the third verse of Romans 8, it says that um, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Well, what does that mean? Um, there's another translation. You know, sometimes when, when language gets difficult, you might want to look at a different translation to see if it makes a little bit more sense, if, it's, if it could uh, be read a little bit easier. Um, another translation is, is, is a message Bible that was written for young people to understand a little bit easier. And this one says, in his son, Jesus, he personally took on the human condition He entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. The law code weakened as it always was by a fractured human nature could have never done that. So the law, this is the point. The law, over 613 laws of the Old Testament um, was never meant to save us. It was only meant as a teacher and as a guide. But righteousness would come through Christ's redemptive act on the cross, his atoning ministry. That's how we get righteousness, which is being in right standing with God. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's something that is the free gift of God to us through his son. Nate, I think I said something right there. You did. Yes, I'm, I, 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 I'm like, I'm like, keep preaching, brother. Keep going. I, I, I am, I am overjoyed and every time the scriptures are opened and, and it's and we're, we're talking about we're discussing we're going through and my mind is literally going a thousand miles an hour um because uh what you're saying is, is so is so powerful i mean you know this and verse four it says so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us well mm. we cannot live we cannot fulfill the requirements of the law what's what does god require mm-hmm. perfection mm-hmm. and pr- perfection can only be from divine. So he he took upon that flesh and lived that perfect sinless life that we cannot live, so that he might be the the propitiation, the satisfaction of of God's wrath. I mean, that's just mm. 
you know, and then the other thing too is it, I jump, I jump to Romans five nine. How much more than having now been justified by His blood shall we be saved from the wrath of God mm -hmm. through Him? That's the see. That's that's the wonderful thing is that um, you know. Gosh, see, this is this is what I love about the Bible and talking about this stuff so much is it's so true and powerful. So, and I go back to so then I, I jump back to Romans 2, uh, 5, which says, but because of the stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation, the righteous judgment of God. So then it, just, then it goes back to Romans 7, you know, 14 through 25. I'm not going to read all those, but the conflict mm -hmm. of two natures. I mean, Paul, this is Paul writing Romans here, uh, obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. And he's saying in verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? I mean, if he is the chief mm -hmm. of all sinners, then what am I then? And well, then, well, the, 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 here the comes, reason why, let me just say this. The only reason why Paul was able to say that he was the chief of all sinners and say that comfortably was because he hadn't met me yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <That's, laughs> Yeah, you got, you got, I, I, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm like, no, you're not, no, you're not, Paul. But I, but it just goes to show you, I mean, the, this is Paul saying, you know, uh, but I do, the, he goes, what I'm doing, I don't understand. I am practicing that I would not like to do, but I am doing the very thing that I hate. But if I do the very thing I don't want to do, mm -hmm. I agree with the law is good. So he's just saying, the things I, I love to do, I don't do, and things I don't love to do, I do. Mm -hmm. And I, he goes, I mean, and that's just, that's just where we're at. I mean, we're, where that the conflict of the two natures is still is still within us right. no matter how long we've been with the lord or not but that's why we have that beautiful promise in the first verse of chapter eight and the last verse of chapter eight because we struggle with this we, we wrestle and fight but if salvation were dependent upon us we would fail and fall short every single time but amen but because but because it's all in the hands of christ in him uh, he's 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 mighty enough to save. So, yeah, when you're talking about this stuff, man, I'm like, inside I'm, I'm hooting and hollering. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So, so here's uh, the good I news. Here's the good news. You know, Nate in in his talking, Nate has mentioned a lot of um, of um, he he uses the word condemnation, and and the good news is this. And and what the law was unable to do for us. You know, I said that the law was a teacher, it was a guide, but it was never meant to be the means through which we would attain righteousness or right standing with, with God. The law was unable to do that for you. The, some religious leaders back in, in those right. days, they thought that they could attain righteousness by knowing the law. It's one thing to know it, right? It's another thing to practice it. But even doing all of that, it never was designed to put you in right standing with God. As a matter of fact, you couldn't keep it. It was un, it was unkeepable. Um, it, so so what the law was un, unable to achieve, God did by sending His only begotten Son for our deliverance. And this is how we are prospered from death to life, from darkness to light, from sinner to saint. He sent His Son in the flesh, born in a manger, born of a woman, the incarnate Christ. Jesus was born into a sinful world just like you and I, but he was without sin. He was fully acquainted with our sinfulness, our suffering, and our sorrows. And in response to our fallen condition, Jesus, our beloved rescuer, our savior, he died on the cross. 
paying the price for our redemption, our salvation, for our forgiveness. So what are we saying today? We're saying that he is the way of salvation for us. And in Christ, we find the fulfillment of the law that we could not keep ourselves. Jesus kept it for us. Jesus did it all. So when we partake in the communion service, we need to remember that, that it's not, you know, our communion with God comes through our communion with Christ. And um, so, so the, the communion service is a day of remembrance for us to keep all of that in mind. And it should be preceded by uh, self-examination, uh, understanding that we are set in right relationship God with God only through of what was what the son did. It was a free gift. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, and I like I said, the, and another beautiful thing I've heard, and I know you would fully agree with this too. The that there is a free gift, but it did it did come with a cost, and it cost Christ His life, and that's why that we no longer live for ourselves. And you know, you mentioned, and we're man. I'll tell you what. You and I can, it seems like you and I could talk for hours upon hours upon this, but uh, I don't know, my time is running short, but you mentioned that, that the law was not not intended for us to become righteous, but it was a, it was a, it was a guide. So it, when you were talking about this, my mind went to Galatians uh, 3, which uh, in 23, uh, 3.23 says, but before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law, being shut up mm -hmm. to the faith, which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor or teacher mm -hmm. to lead us to Christ so yes. that we may be justified Amen. by faith. There it is. And, mm -hmm. and so if you, Amen. and that's why some people want, and, and that's why it's so important that, you know, we like people like people like you uh, who are out here, you know, sharing the, the sharing the true message because oh, people, they, they, people that it's just, there is such a famine of the word of God and an understanding, and it's so, and mm -hmm. I tell you what, for me, it is so, it's so beautiful and powerful when people actually know, know what they're talking about mm -hmm. and uh, and actually give the full message because, um, you know, the reality is the law is, if you live by it, you're, you're staying condemned, but faith in Christ, that's, it's, it's by, it, we're justified by faith in Christ, and and it, it doesn't get any more crystal clear than that. And so I, I'm running on uh, 25 seconds here, but Reverend Jay, it's it's always a pleasure to uh, to talk to you. To and you were I, I won't I won't forget this moment. Of just just speaking the scriptures with you. I, we could be on here literally for hours, and I would be perfectly content with that. So um, I appreciate you so much. Um, you keep preaching the truth and doing what you're doing, man. I'm, I'm so uh, honored to know you and get to get to know you continually. So appreciate you so much. All right. God bless, man. So folks, um, there was another part of that scripture and, and you can tell by the sound of Nate's voice, you can tell the enthusiasm that he experienced in his life, the, the uplifting, of your word and your truth, what it's done in his life. And he's grateful for that. And, and when he takes communion or when he serves communion, he's, believe me, he's mindful of it. I can tell just talking to him through this, through this wisdom app. I can feel it. My spirit bears witness to the truth. Now there's another part of that scripture. Now we talked a lot about the absence of condemnation for those who are in Christ. And we talked about being in Christ as accepting Jesus Christ as, as his finished work at the cross being good enough for you. We talked about that. Um, but now the scripture says that, so there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ 
Jesus, but then it says something else. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So now, now it, 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 it turns this conversation to, to what Christ has done, to, to what we're doing. And, and with regard to this not walking after the flesh, but after the spirit, I suggest to us all that God has called us in response, in a proper response to sending his son and dying on the cross that God is inviting us uh, to, to a journey along this road of what we call sanctification. And that simply means partaking of the holiness of God and, and letting it impact our, our lives so that we can then be um, the body of Christ in this world. So it's along this road that we grow spiritually. It's along this road, this life journey that, that you know, we partake of God's holiness and become more like who we are called to be. Um, to walk not after the flesh now, uh, but after spirits means that our entire being is consecrated to the things of God. When the Bible talks about the flesh, it's basically talking about your carnal desires and things that um, that, uh, you know, oh man, this, 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 when I think of carnality, I, I think of a whole lot more than just sexual immorality. That's the first thing people think of. But I think of the greed, corruption, and, and poor policy that, ex, that, that exploits uh, groups of people and, and, and treats them in a way that's antithetical to the love of God. So walking not after the flesh means that our lives, are to be lived in a way that is pleasing to God, in the eyes of God. We are called to live in a way that facilitates the will of God being done on earth as it is in heaven. Just like that Lord's Prayer, we say, we, say, uh, we pray, um, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, how is that supposed to happen? It's not, God does not wave a magic wand and the will of God is done on earth. It's through his people that the, that the, the will of God gets facilitated in this earth. So walking um, not after the flesh, it means that we're dependent upon God for our purpose, our provision, and our power. It means that we're pressing on for love, justice, and peace in our communities. And, and if we have to be the ones to introduce that reality into our communities, then so be it. We shall be the ones. It, it means pressing on for healing and reconciliation in our own families and in our own community. It means loving God and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Walking after the spirit and not after the flesh means being led by the spirit who grants us direction and guidance. Now, I'd like to say this, that um, if you expect to receive guidance from the spirit of the Lord, uh, then you need to spend some time deliberately and intentionally with God. You need to sit with God and, and be still and sit with God and in prayer meditation or contemplation and 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 be present with God fully transparent and and expect to hear from God allow God to speak to you in your heart speak to you through his word to speak to you in while as you meditate as you pray so you know let us um uh Remember this, that walking after the spirit means that we continually desire that our steps be ordered by the Lord. And so let us call on the Lord to direct our path. The, the psalmist wrote in, in, in Psalm 119, uh, the 133rd verse, 
says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So don't forget now, I, I see we have quite a few people that are listening in here and, and I invite you to come in. We're talking about communion. We're talking about the Lord's Supper. We're talking about what does it mean? What, what, what do you get from it? What do you interpret, to, interpret it to mean? Um, you know, if you have any comments, any reflections on, on, on your thoughts on, on the Lord's Supper and, and its relevancy for your life today, or if you have questions about it, please just come on in and, and, and share what you're, what's on your mind. So as we are led by the Spirit, we'll find that we are moved to, to think beyond our own needs and that walking after the Spirit means that we are ready, willing, and able to help others. I think living a life for others is the divinely ordained practice um, that us a space that we're called to by God to, to be his hands and feet in this world. He has no other hands and feet in this world other than his believers and those who are willing to do the will of God. Um, for as we help others, as we give to others in need, we're, we're actually demonstrating our love for God. So yes, we can serve God, serve divinity through humanity. Serving God, you know, some people might think that, oh, what is serving God? You go to church, you sing some songs, you pray, you, you read scripture. But yes, that is very true. But there's another piece to that, which is you being um, called to serve God through other people. So, you know, as, as we distribute out of our resources to others in need and out of the abundance of blessings that God has bestowed upon us, we are actually serving God. You know, and it doesn't have to be something huge, something big all the time. I mean, you don't have to, I mean, it's very nice to be able to do it, but you don't have to go overseas and build water wells and, and plant farms and build housing. These are huge projects, and if you can do it, great. But, you know, there's also the, the elderly person in your community who, who can't keep a doctor's appointment or who has trouble remembering how to take and when to take their medicine. There's, there's the, um, the child that doesn't have a, uh, a book bag to go to school. There's somebody who doesn't have um, food for, for the night. So <clears throat> there are small things that we can do. Um, I took a group of students um, to San Diego once and, and we were with, with somebody and and, you know, he, uh, one of the students was telling me how he wanted to do all of these great things for the people in San Diego. And, um, you know, I was having the same conversation. You don't have to always do something, think about these huge projects. You can do, do something small. As we were saying, so the woman asked him to come and could you please hang up my clock? <laughs> and, and she was thrilled that she got her clock hung up in, in the kitchen of this ministry that we were visiting. Um, so again, there's a small gesture of kindness that people that really lifts people's spirit. So all I'm saying is that um, as we distribute to others in need out of the abundance of blessings that God has bestowed upon us, we actually serve God. And the blessing God pours into us and not just for our own consumption and benefit. So, you know, you may have heard this quote. I think it kind of fits right here. It says, it goes something like this. It says that rivers don't drink their own water and trees don't eat their own fruits. The sun does not shine for itself and flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves. 
The salt seasons the food in order to have its purpose fulfilled. So in the same way, living for others is of divine inspiration. And it's not the blessings that God gives us, it's not just for us. So this, this little reflect, this little poem or reflection that I, that I just shared, it um, reflects the idea that our appropriate response to God's, what we like to call salvation, comes in our serving God and loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Life is certainly good when you're happy, but it's much better when others are happy because of you. So, as Paul closes out this portion of scripture, he, he expresses that he has a full confidence in the love of God. Now, I, I think I was, last time I was on here, I said that the, the love of God is not easy for us to comprehend. It's, it's rather um, beyond our intellectual grasp. But Paul was convinced, even though he struggled, even though he was, you know, shipwrecked and beaten and imprisoned, um, even though he wrestled with the frailty of his own humanity, he pressed on and he was wholeheartedly convinced about the love of God. And he was able to write this, which is the, um, <clears throat> which is the end of this eighth chapter of Romans. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So yes, you know, we make mistakes along our journey, and we certainly wrestle with suffering from all sources, all different points of along our faith journey, all different um, things in life come against us. But the good news is that God has placed us on a journey along this river of sanctification. We're under construction. We're all under construction and, and being drawn closer to the image of God in us every day. So our eternal hope is in Christ. My salvation is in Christ. And my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So, you know, I like to say that I'll hold on to God's unchanging hand and he'll see me through. So we have talked about the communion, this Lord's Supper, the communion or the Eucharist. It's all the same thing. By the way, Eucharist comes from a term that actually means Thanksgiving. Um, so we talked about the, the absence of condemnation. Why should I be thankful? Why should I, what can I remember as I'm partaking of the Lord's Supper, as I'm self-reflecting and self-examining myself, going through that process of self-examination, what can I think about? Well, you can think about this. The absence of condemnation for those who are in Christ. You can think about unity in Christ as being the way of our salvation. It's nothing that you've earned because you're such a good person. It's nothing that you've earned because you're able to keep the law. That's nothing that you earn because of your good deeds, but it's in fact a good gift through from the Father, through his Son to all of us. Then we also talked about the walk or the lifestyle of the believer who's led by the Spirit of the Lord. 
<clears throat> the one who follows and walks after and, and is in pursuit of the things of the spirit. Um, and, we be, and you can remember that when we mess up um, and stand accused of wrongdoing, we can remember and be confident that even, even the uh, Philippians, there's another verse, Philippians, the first chapter and the sixth verse says, be confident of this, of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What is that? He perform a good work in you. Well, let me put it to you this way. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't, you don't um, accept Jesus and then go to sleep and wake up Mother Teresa, okay? Sanctification is a process. It's a lifelong journey. I am under, um, on this river of sanctification. My life is being transformed day by day. Daily, so it's not. There's no end to this process. Um, we're all uh, under construction, as they say. So Paul wrote, being confident that he, God, which have begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul was convinced that no matter what the circumstances were, no matter what he was challenged with, no matter what he, what stood in his way. And the same with us. We are inseparable from the love of God. He loved us before we loved him. That's, a, that's something right there, you know. Some people say, well, I found God. Well, the truth is he was never lost. And he loved us before we loved him. He found us. It wasn't us that found him. So as sure as the sun rises in the morning, God's love shines on you every day. His love is chasing you even right now. So, so once again, if there's anybody here that's on this, that's on this call that has a, a question or a comment about the, the Lord's Supper, what does it mean? Do you just go to church and eat a cracker and, and juice or wine? And, you know, I remember one of my... Um, it's, a, it's in some traditions, they don't serve the communion to little kids because they don't know what's going on. They don't understand it. So they'd rather not just give it to them. So I had a little boy, you know, when they passed the communion plate over him, he said, hey, I want some crackers and juice too. And of course he did. But, and I feel bad when that happens because they don't understand. And, and to me, they just feel like, well, you know, everybody could get something, but I couldn't get it. And I was in church. What's going on? <laughs> so, so um, you know, it is, as Nate said earlier, it is improper for a uh, non-believer to walk into a visiting or visit a church and they happen to be serving communion. And then you just take the communion. That is considered improper um, and you shouldn't do it. Um but the benefit, and then there are those who, there's another set of circumstances where people are, um, they're in church and they feel that because they've messed up, that they shouldn't take communion. And I, my, only, my only advice is don't deny yourself of being nourished by the body and the blood of Jesus. You know, this is a moment of remembrance of what he did and you're professing your communion with him um, so don't don't deny yourself um, um, 
Yeah, so you don't have to, you don't, we don't need to come perfect before God. We trust that our righteousness comes from what his son did on the cross, not because of our own good deeds, <clears throat> and, and we're not um, condemned for our misdeeds. We are forgiven, and we need to press on in life. So now, you know, I see a, quite a few names. I thank you all for being on here. I'm wondering if there's anybody here who would want to bring in a comment about the communion service, the partaking of the Lord's Supper. I'm just wondering if there's anybody there. Now, some people take communion every day. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. There are differences. Some people practice and, and observe the, the Lord's Supper in different ways. For, I'll give you an example. The, the Catholic Church um, believes that... Uh, that the bread and the wine is the act becomes the actual body and the blood of Jesus, and and um, uh, in the Baptist tradition we we look at it more as a, a moment of remembrance, and that uh, these it's more symbolic of our um, being made right with God through the Son through His atoning ministry, His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection and acting uh, on our behalf as an intercessor on our behalf. And, and this, this communion ordinance that we participate in is, is a faithful witness. It's a testimony uh, to, to all that God has done for us. So if you've kind of like messed up during the week or something and you're serving communion at your church and you're a church member, don't deny yourself um, to participate that God would never hold back from your being in communion with him. Um, and if you never heard of any of this conversation, I guess maybe you learned something today um, about what the communion service is and, and what our hope is. And, and our trust is in, in the God that didn't come to condemn the world. We get it twisted. We think that God comes with all this condemnation and judgment. But the Bible says that God... Um, came to save the world, not condemn it. I think somebody is, is coming in. Oh, my friend Nate. Nate is coming back. Maybe he heard something that he didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, quite the opposite, actually. No, I, 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 told, I, I tell people all the time, uh, if, it's, if it's outside of God and his word, um, I'm pretty quiet. Um, but when it comes to God's word, I just, um, you know, I just, you know, you've asked several times and people would jump on and I'm like, you know, and I, I just kind of feel like I was really enjoying our conversation. So I wanted to extend mm -hmm. a little bit. So I hope, hope I'm not uh, overstepping at all or anything like that, but not, um, listen, iron sharpens iron. It does. I, I, my, I, my iron's been sharpened today. I, I appreciate it so much. And, uh, like I said, the, the, these type of, you know, Christ honoring conversations are just um, are really good. I actually, you know, uh, Reverend Jay, I actually have a question uh, for you, mm -hmm. if you don't mind. Okay. Um, when you are when you are about ready to partake of the Lord's Supper, what 
what is your process uh, of going through? Like, what are you, what are you thinking? What are you praying? What are you, what are you examining on? Okay, well, again, I'm I'm in a Baptist tradition, and one of the things that happens is um, we we will start out by um, we have a um, we we say the the Lord's Prayer. We collectively, you know, it's a corporate um, ceremony, you know, corporate ordinance that we're all participating in. So collectively, we uh, it's corporate worship, as they say. So collectively, we'll recite the Lord's Prayer. We'll we'll read the um, Church Covenant, which is like a a statement of commitment to to the Lord and to the Church. Um, then, of course, we um, we um, the the person serving the communion is gonna you know wash his hands and 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 you know before COVID we used to you know distribute cups and crackers to everybody out. But now, so what I think about personally, as this is all all going on, if I'm not the one serving, or even if I am the one serving it, what I think of is how is God, how am I responding to this invitation of God? How am I responding? How am I allowing God to continue to mold me and shape me and, and tear me away? And how am I being liberated from any disordered attachments I have to to whatever it is. You know, idolatry is anything that you allow to take a place in your heart that's greater than God. You know, so um, even, and sometimes that's when, when you don't allow God to be God and you, you confine God to your God construct, mm-hmm. right? And you don't allow God to be who he is, then that becomes a form of idolatry as well. So I'm just, I'm just saying, Lord, you know, I want to do your will. I want to be um, uh, in to live my life in, in a way that's pleasing to you. Just teach me and show me what I need to do next. I'm looking for guidance. I'm looking to be separated from anything in my life that that stands antithetical to to God's calling and invitation. So those are the kind of things I think about. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. No, that's great. I, I was just, I was just curious. I yeah. mean, the, the, it becomes, you know. We, we never, we don't get the whole picture. You know, God doesn't reveal all things to you at one time. So this is for us, it's a never ending quest for, for understanding, right? Theology, so one, one author put it like this, theology is a faith that seeks understanding. It's not a faith that knows everything. <laughs> you know, um, we're, we're, we're still, we're no, still no, learning yeah. day by day. And we're growing day by day. So that's why it is good to have a community service where you stop out of the busyness of your life and say, hold on a second. I remember all that God has done, but what am I doing in in, in response to the love of God in, in, in my life? Yeah, I, 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 I fully agree. And that's kind of what I, that, that's what I was get, kind of getting after. I, you know, and I heard since, you're talking about seeking, you know, seeking that knowledge. And I, I actually said earlier on a talk that you can get all the, um, all the wisest people on planet earth and to try to understand this book and good luck because it's been, it's been attempted. And that's why this, this book is alive and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. And, um, and I and going back to communion, cause that's the, the topic of discussion. And it's, it's such a, mm-hmm. It's such a wonderful time to commune with God because, you know, 
the the fast pacedness of our world has caused some, us sometimes to like we cannot stop and reflect. Um, you know, we we take for granted um, the breath that we have, the heartbeat. I, I've been repeating that over and over again that that every breath that you breathe, every beat that your heart beats is God's kindness. Mm. Uh, kind of takes me to Romans uh, two because since we're kind of in a Romans uh, place here, but. You know, Romans 2, 4, you know, basically kind of end of that is not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. I mean, that's just, and his, and his patience is to be regarded as, uh, as, you know, salvation is it's just that, that he gives us that grace um, to, you know, in the common grace, he even gives, because he causes the rain to fall on the, on the unbeliever and the believer. That's right. You know, that, that, you, that you can have, and that's how good he is, even though how, how there are people today who are being blessed beyond measure, uh, who are, I mean, complete and totally opposed to God. And that doesn't, that doesn't mean that at some point that they can't come to repentance and faith in Christ that, you know, there's hope for every person, but, um, you know, this, this communion is, it's a great time to kind of remember, you know, Psalm 46, 10, where, you know, some translations say cease striving, but most people know as be still know that I am God. Mm-hmm. And, it's just a it's a time to just sit and reflect of of the goodness of God, the holiness of God. To sit back and, and we we I mean for crying out loud, we look at the sun and we look at the, the, the stars and the moon and and you know these galaxies and these things that we have telescopes now that can see that are more advanced than the Hubble and all these things like that. And we take those things for granted. God placed all the stars perfectly where he ordain them to be and then he knows them each by name and he knows the number of hairs on our heads mm-hmm. he, he knows us intimately but the, the quest uh, i'm gonna i'm gonna take your word because i love it the quest is to get to know christ that intimately amen um and then you know you mentioned i love what you said earlier about the you know philippians where he says he who began a good work in you will perfect it until uh, i i can't remember that i have to go back to it because the bible says it way better than i do um right uh, uh, but anyway, well, I'm, this I'm, is, sorry, this I'm is, sorry, I'm getting there. This is the thing. This is the thing. I, um, the one of the sad things that happened, though, is that we, the church, people are invited into the church to um, to learn about God, and they end up getting chased away from by church folk and 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 treat, mistreated. So we have to be careful. Yes, we have to be careful that we don't hurt people um, along this journey. You would think that that doesn't happen. But the reality of the situation is that people are chased away from church because of church people. <laughs> oh, I, I tell you what, that is, no true words have been spoken. Uh, I, someone said, I think it was George Carlin, the old, uh, the, the old right. comedian, it just said that the single greatest cause of atheism is Christians. <laughs> and I, I, I get that. I, I, well, I get what he's saying. Um, and you know what? It, but not everybody that that takes the title of Christian is a Christian. That's the problem. Right. Right. Um, right. Everybody, you, you see people with uh, cross necklaces that are, you know, uh, one minute they're they're saying, you know, they're saying that yeah, God's blessed you that whole entire life and blah blah blah. blah. And the next thing you know, he's, you know, he or she's throwing out, you know, profanities like it's, you know, like it's drinking water. So, right. You know, right. not everybody who takes the title of of Christian is a Christian. You got you just got to be so careful. So. Yes, and you know the other thing is, um, 
and I don't mean to, I don't mean to be um, to be this way, but you know, a lot of people say that you know they'll use that excuse to say, well, there's too many hypocrites in the church, and I my response would be, well, that's okay, we have room for one more. So right. <laughs> well, I mean, no, listen, listen. What you're saying is, is well, right, and people people. First of all, people don't want to go to church in the first place. So as soon as they find something wrong with the people there, that's their license to, you know what? I knew I was right. I don't need to be involved with these people. But the thing is this, once you become a believer right. and you leave the church, remember this, you are the church. <laughs> and so now you've left. You Now you've left and where right. does that leave? And you know, yeah. um, uh, you know um, so the thing is this, we don't want to hurt people. We want to remind them, we want people to to, um, to come into the house of the Lord. We want people to come into the house of the Lord and not be chased out by our offensive um, behavior. Remember this, in the Bible, it was the disciples who stopped the little children from coming to Jesus. Right. It was the disciples, it was the disciples that, that um, didn't recognize Jesus and when he reappeared, right? It was, it was the <laughs> disciples are not always that are not always lifted in a favorable light in the, um, uh, you know, they were overwhelmed with sleep when Jesus was praying about to get arrested. And, and you know, so they're not always um, in a favorable light. And I think that that's just also a reflection of, of who the church people are today. We're not perfect. The church is actually a pretty much a mess. Um, but um, we do need to be a little bit more attentive to not condemning people this you know jesus didn't come to condemn the world he come to save the world right so we need to talk more about now you know listen i used to work in new york, the world trade center in new york city and there was a woman who used to stand out in front of the millions of people coming out of the world trade center every morning she was out there dressed in white with a white hat and a great big bible in her hand yelling at the people as they're coming out look at you you're going to hell blah blah blah, blah. and all this fire and brimstone condemnation stuff and listen people that doesn't bring people to the lord you need to tell them about no. that you need to tell them about god's um unconditional love for them and then that he's not trying to stop them from enjoying life he's trying to bring you to a place where you actually will enjoy life and service to him and others you know so we got to be careful church hurt is a big phenomenon and you know you people are coming to the church on a communion sunday partaking of the lord's supper and cursing people out in the parking lot later on oh i know it or or we'll fight on uh what color carpet we should have or you know what what missions program which should we do it's yeah no i i fully agree and yeah you know speaking of the disciples hindering the little children i remember the story of uh, you know James and John mm. uh, when uh, Jesus sent the messengers ahead uh, I'm, and, and into the village with Samaritans to make arrangements. <laughs> they didn't receive them. James and John said, "Hey, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them?" Right. And you know here and, and then later on in John's life, you know in, in you know First uh, John, you know three in the whole whole book but you know especially chapter four he's talking about loving people and loving one another <laughs> so it's just it's a testament to i mean i'm, I'm sure at one point that like, you were um you know we were all like that at some point i know i was i i guess i can't speak for anybody else but i was i didn't really handle things a lot more with tact i was just 
I didn't want anybody. I had the, the intentions were right. The tact wasn't there. Uh, and right. as I have matured, I've realized that uh, don't, people don't, people don't really just respond to that. And I'm really I don't want to bring down his name. I want to lift it up. So I think you know one of the biggest things. And you're talking about walking by the Spirit. And I, I again talked about that a little bit earlier, especially the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if we're producing those, and we're, and we're living the life that we're called to live, we ought to be living such righteous and holy lives that it ought to stir up unbelievers and, and ask the questions, okay, what is different about this guy or this woman? What is mm-hmm. what is the deal? And mm-hmm. and then, you know, at times then go step out on faith and you know, just and just talk to people, love people, and you know, just treat them the way you ought to be treated. And understand that when people come banging my door mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, ask me if I'm going to go to heaven or hell. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't like that either. Right. Um, and then the, those those people usually don't, uh, they don't really realize. You know, when they ask me, it actually happened the other day. Mm. Someone came and asked me, I find out who Jesus Christ is. Like, oh yeah, I know him a little bit. Right. And so we then we had a we had a conversation. But you know, again, the thing is, it's 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 how we live our lives. And, and you know, I believe it says in First John is that you know we must walk as he did, mm-hmm. as Christ did. And so. You know he you know yes he did he did he didn't he didn't condone sin he didn't give people a free pass a lot most of the time when he ran into people uh, by divine you know timeline and by divine intervention he told them go and sin no more mm-hmm. so will will we sin absolutely sure i'm not i'm the first one to say i'm a sinner uh in need of of his grace but uh, we're not to practice that. That's the difference. And so that's what Jesus says in Matthew 7. Uh, away from me, I, I never knew you. And that knew you is the same, knew you in the Greek when Mary didn't know a man when she was conceived miraculously by the Holy Spirit, uh, by power of the Holy Spirit with Jesus. So she she didn't intimately know a man right. at Jesus' conception. Do you know? So that's what we said earlier. Do you know Jesus that intimately? That's the goal. And that's the, that's the lifelong goal to be to be um, a believer. And then um, I guess to kind of wrap up uh, just my little speech <laughs> speech here. No, go ahead, man. Go ahead, go ahead and listen. But I mean, but you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned uh, chapter eight in Romans and I, I just love it so much. I'm, and I want to jump up to 29 because it says, for those he foreknew, mm-hmm. talking about the, the future believers, he also predestined, right. this, is, this is the goal of believer. To become conformed to the image of his son. Mm-hmm. And that's that's it right there. Right. So, you know, we every day we, we die daily and he increases and we decrease. And the more we do that, the more he mm-hmm. his light will shine from within us. His love will pour within us and it should pour out of us. Mm-hmm. We should be we should be the most grateful, humble, loving, patient people there is. And yes, we still fail and fall short. And I, I am I'm the same way too. So that, and that's why I need a savior. So that's why I hop back on Reverend Jay because I, I, I can't help but when you're, you're when you're speaking here, and you're saying these words, I'm like, I was like, mm, I just love this so much. And just, just keep, I mean, keep it going, keep it going. And so so I, here, I, I here's really the thing. It. Here's the thing. I, I certainly, I yeah. certainly love it when you're on, and I don't, you know, chase you away or shut you down. Because here I am asking sure. for, you know, people, the, the believer should be inspired enough to want to tell their story. And, and, and um, you know, it's, it's people need an opportunity to do that. And I don't like to shut people down 
um, for sure. I think everybody needs to be heard. Um, and the Bible says that you should be ready in and out of season to, to tell that story, you know, to tell about what God has done in your life. So it's always on my lips at every opportunity that I have um, to share what God has done in my life. Um, I told you the other day that I was a, um, a musician and, and running around the world playing the guitar in front of thousands of people and all that. And that was fun. I thought it was fun. But it was actually a very um, uh, destructive lifestyle and and, um, and it didn't lead me to the path of, of joy and happiness that I thought it would. Um, it, it actually led me in the opposite direction. So it, was, it wasn't until later in life that I, I recognized that God was calling me and inviting me. And, and I broke down one, one, one early one morning in, in my living room and, and accepted God, Jesus in my life. And my life has never been the same since. Um, so, you know, if, if there's somebody out there that's listening to all of this that is, he, is sensing God calling them, um, perhaps you should just get on your knees and say, God, come into my life and make me whole, make restore me, make let me be in communion with you through your son. And God will grant you the desires of your heart and make that happen for you and put you in right standing with God. Who wants to be on the wrong side of God? Not me. Um, so so um, I think that this communion, once, once you do accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you go somewhere and you partake in the Lord's Supper. It's a it's a uh, it's a, um, a public pronouncement of your being in communion with God and right standing with God, and it's an opportunity for you to should, as we said, it should be um, should be preceded by self examination, where you're asking yourself questions: How am I responding to God's love in my life? And Am I living a life that's pleasing to God? And, and Lord, show me what I can do, how I can serve you better. And, you know, help me to, to rid myself of those things that stand antithetical to your love and your grace and your justice in this world. <clears throat> help me to, to become detached from that, those thoughts, that thinking, and that, that mindset, you know, our, our social location, where we were born and how we were raised has a lot to do with with our God construct, how we view God, what we think, how we see God. I know when I was a kid, I, I, um, I didn't see God as, as a loving God. I saw God as someone who I thought would just be there to count up my sins. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, you know, either I got a good score or a bad score. And you know what happens if you get a bad score. So, <clears throat> so I, um, since then, as I've grown in, in, in God's word and in maturity, I think I've come to, to realize that God loves me more than I love him and more than, than my intellectual capability is able to, to embrace. And, and therefore, I'm, I humbly submit myself to being led by the Holy Spirit through the truth of the word of God. You know, people say, well, why? Oh, there, here's nothing. So many people, they, you know, they come up with all these excuses about the Bible. Oh, the Bible was um, written by men. It's a bunch of fairy tales. It's this and that and the other. Well, let me tell you something. Before you come to all those conclusions, I think it requires a diligent study, right? And, and there's a lot of things to look at. Now, you can prayerfully read the Bible, and, and it's good to do that. But as a, you know, as a student, there's also some other... Um, 
things to consider when you're reading what was written. I mean, there's some exegetical methods that 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 um, you need to take into consideration. The, the social historical um, criticism, the lens of social historical criticism. You can look at the the textual considerations, the the um, the cultural considerations of, of the day. You know, um, so there's a lot to consider. The traditions, the, the the time period in which these things are written, you got, you got to take a lot into consideration. After all, when I read the Bible, you know what I try to think about? I try to think about what it meant to the people who first heard it before I start taking meaning for myself. Um, think about what it meant to them. Um, think about, then think about what truth you can, can take from it. The, 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 if you don't know, the, the epistles, the letters that are written in the Bible, in the New Testament, the letters of the Pauline writings, as we call them, they are letters written by this apostle who, by the way, um, he used to kill Christians before he got converted to, to this new way of life. He used to kill Christians. His life changed, and that's just evidence of, of the power of the transformative power of God's Holy Spirit. So, um, the letters that he wrote were to churches that, and to believers. I shouldn't say churches; I should just say to believers that that um, they were they were experiencing things, they were doing things, and he was giving them some wise counsel on 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 doctrinal truths, on 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 truth and and um, and ways of life. And, and the teachings of Jesus. This is what he did, and, and correcting some things that they may have been doing um, wrong or inconsistent with the Bible. So it's like we're reading somebody else's mail. Now, of course, there are things that we can glean from, so there are truths that we get from these stories, but we also have to understand that there are some things that just don't fly in our contemporary context. For instance, when the, in one of the uh, a tribute, Paul is attributed as the author in one of the books where it says that women should be quiet in the church. Well, I'll tell you right now, that doesn't fly in my house. <laughs> so, so there are things that we have to take into consideration when reading it. Um, uh, or, you know, people, the people that say that women shouldn't be teachers in the church or women shouldn't do this, they shouldn't do that, they shouldn't be preachers. <clears throat> I, I look at it like this. Somebody, I heard somebody once say that, listen, when it comes to women preachers, and I'm going off topic here, but if we're going to be in communion with God, we need to think about what it is that we propose to people. Um, so when it comes to women preachers who I support, um, somebody once said, my own pastor said, uh, listen, a woman conceived the word of God. A woman uh, carried the word of God. And a woman delivered the word of God. So, what's your problem? <laughs> so, so I um I support women preachers and women church leaders and all of that. So, uh, again, the the um the communion service for me is a time. It's a day of remembrance where we can remember all that God has done for us, and and hopefully we we um when I say done for us, remembering. I think it's amazing that that Jesus brought his disciples together for this, what has become known to us as the Last Supper in celebration of the Passover, which was deliverance, recognizing and celebrating deliverance out of Egypt. This is the day that Jesus comes and has this supper before he gets arrested. And, and it's a celebration and 
he's pronouncing that he's actually the our Passover. He is the one who delivers us out of the grips, the paralyzing grips of sin and death. So, so um, we can remember then all that God has done for us through his son on the days that we are taking communion. It should be preceded by self-examination when you ask yourself the question, am I living my life in a way that's pleasing to God? Am I, or what, Lord, show me what it is that, that I could um, need to be, to be liberated from, to be resurrected from. Are there things that are holding me, think, am I holding on to things that are antithetical to God's will in my life? Am I, am I, um, is there some sort of idolatry going on in my life? Am I not letting God be God in my own life? <clears throat> so if there's nobody else that's going to voice their opinion or what they, what they feel about communion, if you have any questions, please raise them. If not, I will um, be signing off at this time. I pray that God blesses you for the rest of this day and leads you to a to a church where you can um, join a church community. And I say that because, um, you know, we talked about church hurt earlier, but you can bring something to the table in the church and something of value and um, and make it a better place. And for one, and, and, and then no Christian should be flying solo. In other words, you shouldn't be out there by yourself with no support and all of that. With the church is a family and you should be part of that family so it's uh uh if you don't belong if you don't have a home church then you're what we'd like to call referred to as spiritually homeless and and that's not right you, you need to be in in the fellowship of believers in a community church is not about isolation it's about the lord is not about isolation it's about bringing you into a community and and having your um your role in that community so God bless you. Thank you for listening. And I will see you or hear from you um, next week at this time. God bless you. Thanks for joining me.